0: You're listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast episode 14. On today's episode, I am interviewing e-commerce entrepreneur, Alora May from Sam and Lance. Sam and Lance is an ethical marketplace and they're about two and a half years into their e-commerce journey. So lots of insights to share if you're new at starting up a business, or if you want to learn more about how to scale and grow with subscription boxes and other revenue channels, then this one is a must listen. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose driven founder who wants to grow their e commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the ethical fashion line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello and welcome back to Brave and Boss, the podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder of the seven figure ethical fashion brand Encircled, host of this podcast, business coach, business mentor. I am super excited to have today's guest on. We connected through, I think, through my podcast. She's also in my Facebook group, Brave and Boss Entrepreneurs. And she's got a really great story about starting an ethical marketplace. So I definitely think this is a must listen for a lot of people listening to this podcast because hearing other entrepreneurs journeys is so inspiring to me. I know when I listen to podcasts, you know, there's a podcast called called Shopify Masters Podcast, and they often have different types of businesses on there. And no matter what stage of business they're in versus me, I always learn something, whether it's a tool that they use or a strategy that they've tried or something they've done that didn't work. So I definitely encourage you in today's podcast to listen and take notes and see if there's something that you can pick up from what Allura from Salmon Lance talked about that would make a difference in your business, because she definitely shares a ton of great insights. So let me start off with just a quick intro about Salmon Lance. So Salmon Lance is an e-commerce marketplace. They have over 800 products made by women around the world, spanning seven continents, and also a quarterly subscription box filled with sustainable products made by women. They are the only eco-friendly Canadian subscription box made for women by women. So I think she's going to knock your socks off with all of her information about how starting a business has been such a journey for her and all the key tools and strategies they've tried to grow their business to where it is today. So let's jump into the interview. Hello and welcome back to Brave and Boss the podcast. I'm super excited to have today's guest, Alora from Sam and Lance. She's the CEO and co-founder of this amazing amazing ethical marketplace that has over 800 products made by women around the world, which is so awesome. She co-founded it with her sister Veronica and named it after their grandmother, Sam and Lance. They're on a mission to help you take the guesswork out of ethical shopping and to empower women businesses and artisans around the world. Welcome, Alora, to the podcast. Hi, Christy. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to connect with you. I know we've chatted briefly before and you're in our Facebook group, which is awesome. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your business? So how did you get started and what was that moment that sparked you to actually start a business?
1: yeah definitely so the official start date was april 2019 and prior to that i had quit my job in 2018 so i was previously working in advertising i had just finished my mba and i just felt like i wasn't fulfilled and i knew i wanted to do something more so without having an actual game plan i just had to quit my job travel do that whole you know eat pray love moment and i was in toronto at the time and my sister veronica was living in singapore And then she decided to kind of quit her job as well. And she was working for a startup that was actually like a subscription clothing company. And then the two of us kind of were thinking about what we could start. And I had an idea. And I was like, actually, I wrote a business plan a year ago, because I guess that's what I do on my spare time is just write random business plans. (laughs) So... I had an idea for a marketplace where everything was ethical and sustainable and everything was made by women because both of us, we loved supporting women. We love shopping sustainably, but it was so hard to do the research and to, you know, figure out what companies are owned by women, what their ethics are, what their supply chain looks like. So we wanted to make it easy for people to shop ethically, do all that research for them and just have all of these amazing brands run by women in one spot. So that's where it started. (laughs) Wow. That's a lot that I want to get into right there. So
0: let's dig into how the business is structured. So are you all direct-to-consumer? Is it all e-commerce? Do you do like pop-ups? How does that work operationally?
1: Yeah. So it's all e-commerce. It's all online. We've done a few very small pop-ups in the past, but it's all basically online e-commerce. And to get a little bit more deep into how the backend works is our marketplace is actually run on a dropshipping model. And I know a lot of people have negative connotations around drop tipping, but we do this for a few reasons. One is so that way we can have up to eight, over 800 products on our platform and support so many amazing women and amazing products. So that way we're not holding the inventory. And number two, we're actually saving um, like a little bit of a carbon footprint from products being shipped twice. So where they're not being shipped to us and then being shipped out to the customer, they're being shipped once customer so that's important to us as well we also plant a tree for every order because we really care about you know carbon emissions and trying to offset as much as possible so that's kind of how that back end works a little bit for us that's great
0: thank you for sharing that the one thing i want to dig into which i think is super interesting because i have a very similar background with an mba you know it sounds like you were both in pretty successful jobs and you've done a lot of education i know a lot of people listening to this podcast are running their businesses still as like a side hustle. So what was that transition like? Because you kind of made it sound like, oh, I just quit my job and it was fine. (laughs) Uh, You know, did your friends and family support you? How did you mentally prepare for that transition to like leap into, you know, kind of just figuring out what you really want to do? Like, are there any, I guess, wise words of encouragement that you can provide to people about that, about quitting your job? Yeah,
1: I'd say don't do what we did. <laughs> <laughs> There's
0: some good advice.
1: <laughs> yeah, so looking back, you know, I think having it as a side hustle and taking that time to build up your business, and then once you're ready, quit that full-time job or quit that job that's bringing you an income, and you know, continue to grow your business. But for us, we okay. kind of took the leap before having a foundation, and then obviously, as you know, it takes quite a while to start a business to gain that momentum to you know gain your your customers and your community. So. We're still working on that. And we've been, you know, at this for two and a half years, but we still haven't paid ourselves. So... I would definitely encourage people to, you know, if you have a secure job and you're able to do that, to continue with your job and then build your business on the side. <laughs> it's so funny because everybody has a, such a different perspective of that. Like, I
0: wish I quit my job a bit sooner than I did, but you know, it's it depends on your risk profile, and I think everybody's unique in their financial situation too. So it's like so hard to say what people will like tolerate, you know. But that's a really great advice. So. Let's dig into a little bit more about your your makers that you support on your platform. So what are some of the criteria that you use to like validate a maker as ethical? And what are some examples of types of brands you work with?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So we've developed um, over the past few years or since we started a really intensive onboarding process for our suppliers. So of course they have to fit within our idea of what it means to be sustainable it needs to be 50% or more women-owned or women-led company. And then we created a set of six different values. So we categorized them as certified, cruelty-free, ethically manufactured, purpose-driven, sustainably sourced, and waste-reducing. And I won't go through the descriptions of all of them, but basically when we look into a supplier, they have to meet at least two of these, um, as well as of course being sustainable and women-owned. So for example, certified. Some people have products that, or they may be a B Corp or they may have a fair trade certification, but we know that that's not possible for every single supplier, especially when we're working with solopreneurs or small artisans. So some people are categorized as this certified and that's great, but some people aren't. And that's all right. Or purpose-driven, you know, we have a lot of our brands on our platform that give back to, you know, different organizations or Support charities or donations or hire disadvantaged people. So, you know, that's really an amazing value that some of these brands have. But again, it's not a mandatory for every single one. So that's kind of how we categorize all of the products on our platform. And then you can also shop by values too. So you can just browse all of the items that are categorized with purpose driven or all that are sustainably, sustainably sourced or waste reducing, et cetera. So that's kind of this whole system that we built within to categorize the products and make it easy for people to shop based on their values.
0: That's great. I love that you can make that so clear for people because you're so correct in the fact that the one of the biggest challenges with shopping ethically, and we hear it all the time from our customers that encircled, is the research component and really doing that deep dive into, you know, I want to get a pair of underwear, but what should I think about? Like where it's made, what materials, what are good. And it's like very overwhelming, I think, for consumers. So I think that idea of building that into your user experience on your website is super smart and probably just makes it a little bit easier to navigate and find something that that person's looking for when they're shopping on your website. So that's awesome. So who are some of your most popular brands that you have on your platform?
1: Yeah, so one of our most popular is definitely Kind Karma. So I'm not sure if you know them. They're Toronto based. Yeah, I
0: totally know them. Yeah, cool. Uh,
1: So they make beautiful jewelry for those that don't know. And it's all made by at risk or homeless youth. So it gives them Um, a skill to learn. It gives them an extra income, flexible working hours. And the stuff is just really beautiful and well-made. So that's definitely one of our best sellers and one of my favorites. Not that I have favorites, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we won't tell.
0: We won't tell (laughs) you. We always have suppliers sometimes that are like easier to work with than others. That's just part of business, right? So. Absolutely. um, (laughs) So tell me like, running a business, like, you know, you've been doing this two and a half years and growing quite a bit from what I understand. So tell me about a few of your biggest successes that you've had thus far in running Salmon Lance.
1: Yeah. So one of the ones that we're pretty proud of is last year, like right when the pandemic hit, I think it was around like April when everything was shut down and we're all kind of searching for something that we could do to you know, help out or be involved or, you know, just to do something. So we created a product called Care Crates. And basically, it was a box filled with self-care items. So there was like a candle, a healing salve, some other lip balm goodies like that. And for each one purchase, we would donate one to a frontline healthcare worker. So we loved the initiative behind it. I have like photos of people opening up their care crates when they're, you know, the healthcare workers in the ICU and just sending such amazing messages. And everybody really got behind that. And it was a really... You know heartwarming and it felt good to actually be doing something during that time Mm -hmm. and you know just as a result again news or news outlets were looking for good you know feel good articles to pick up at the time so we got some great write-ups and some great PR and you know the birds papaya posted about it so we got a lot Mm -hmm. of great press behind that just from you know trying to help out and give back as much as we could. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's amazing. That's so great. So tell me, I'm always interested in logistics and stuff like that because you're mainly a drop shipper. So were you actually warehousing the inventory to build these boxes and then selling them like on subscription or something?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that was kind of our first step into curating a gift box with our suppliers products. And then we moved into that as a separate category within our business. So along with the care crates, then we built a, a bunch of other themed gift boxes that we then hold that inventory, package it ourselves, and then ship it out that are different like themes of, of gifts that people can send.
0: I think that's so great because a lot of businesses, I know personally speaking as well, like in March, April, we felt like very helpless and, mm-hmm. you know, it can be very easy to fall down the rabbit hole and just like victimize yourself, but it's so much more empowering to actually take steps and do it in the light of like helping community, I think is so amazing And I definitely applaud you on doing like gift boxes and stuff like that. That is definitely so smart given, you know, people are remote gifting right now all the time, still like almost a year later. So you definitely were ahead of the curve in that and giving back to your community is amazing. So tell me about anything else. What other good things have happened in the last year for Salmon Lance?
1: Hmm. We won two grants last year. So that was really exciting. Cool. Um, we did a few pitches and won some grants. That was awesome. We had three different interns that worked with us in the summer. So we work with Humber, as well as George Brown to hire different students on co-ops. So it's really helpful and mutually beneficial. So that was really great to have three amazing women work with us last summer, and we're still in touch with them now. And it was just great to kind of have them on board, even though it was all virtual, because we're all, you know, at home Mm -hmm. and and can go into an office. But those are kind of some of our highlights from last year.
0: That's great. So running a business, you know, it has its ups and downs. So what has been, would you say the biggest business fail that you've had since starting Salmon Lance? And what did you learn from that?
1: Yeah, so I think that with me and Veronica, we have such different personalities, which is great, because we balance each other out. But one of my best and also worst attributes is that I do things very very quickly so I love just like going forward I'm like okay we're gonna do this It's gonna be great and I just go full steam ahead and she has to take me two steps back so one of my biggest fails was last year when we were launching these gift boxes and the care crates I was like oh we're gonna get influencers and we're gonna run ads and I just kind of like threw all this stuff out there we probably spent like a couple thousand dollars on you know products for this and ads And we didn't really have any return. I wasn't tracking anything. I didn't even have like a plan or a goal or strategy behind it. I just started like throwing all of this out there because I thought I was just really excited about it. So now she's taken me two steps back and we do all of our planning and forecasting and have a strategy before we do anything or spend any money or reach out to anyone. So I was a little too eager, but (laughs) I learned my
0: lesson. Well, it sounds like you're kind of maybe more of the visionary in the business and she's maybe more, I'm not sure if you've read the book Traction by Gina Wickman, but they have like different types of like CEOs and and co-founders and stuff like that. And definitely a visionary is somebody who's like really into like big ideas and an integrator is somebody who's more into the actual logistics of making it happen. <laughs> so I find people tend to lean towards one side or the other more, you know what I mean? And it's not a bad thing because I think it's really good to have that balance on your team, but you know, all of us can definitely get like excited by ideas. I've definitely been. (laughs) So and sometimes you don't think about the logistics of it. Like when we launched masks in March of last year and thinking that we would need 2000 or 200, (laughs) my initial order was 200 (laughs) masks. And then we ended up selling, I think like 30,000 masks last year, or maybe even more than that. And then donating like almost 10,000. So yeah, I didn't really have a plan. either, so <laughs> I can totally appreciate that. So tell me more a little bit about your team. So it's your sister, who's your yep. co-founder, and you've had some interns. So is there anybody else on your team? And how do you guys split up like the day to day responsibilities of running Salmon Lance?
1: Yeah, so of course, it's my sister and I we have interns every now and again. But basically, it's just her and I and because she's still living in Singapore, and I'm in Toronto, we're actually at a 13 hour Time difference. So splitting up responsibilities is super important for us. And it's something that we've been working through, but we really separate kind of channels and areas of the business really and have them really defined. So then that way, we know exactly who's working on what. And we use Slack a lot as well, because, you know, I'll have to send her an update of everything that I did that day and things that I need her to do. And we need to be very clear with each other, because if we don't, then it might be, you know, 48 hours before we get a time to chat with each other again, because the other one's sleeping. So that's kind of how we split up our tasks. And then we do have a few freelancers that we work with that help with product uploading, and uploading everything to Shopify backend, but that's basically it. Great. I love a lean team. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) That's really good. So tell me a little bit about marketing your brand. So what are some of the channels that you personally love doing marketing on and what do you see drives the most revenue for your brand?
1: So, of course, we're on all the socials, but it's been really interesting. I've seen a shift um, in the past few months where before we used to have 50% of our traffic and revenue coming from Instagram, but we've seen a lot of Pinterest lately. So we're getting a lot of traffic from Pinterest this month, which is kind of new for us. So we're kind of leaning heavy into that. But a lot of our revenue, and I'm sure you'll love this, is comes from email marketing. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what are you guys using for email marketing? we use OmniSend. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Yeah. So are you, you're on Shopify, right? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting with Pinterest though. Do, Do you think that you guys did something differently strategically or did you have some pin or something that went viral? Like, do you know what's driving that?
1: No. So that's, what's funny is that we have like this one photo of a pair of earrings on Pinterest that does really, really well. And I guess it was pinned somewhere and has just kind of picked up from that. But other than that, we didn't really have any Pinterest strategy and we haven't even really been pinning or doing anything different for the past like four or five months. So now I'm just going back into it and really trying to take a deep dive to see where that came from, how I can, you know, increase it more and get more traffic and kind of capitalize on the people that are on Pinterest, you know, and coming to our site. So I'm, I'm trying to do a more deep dive to see where that's coming from and how I can increase it more.
0: Yeah, I I think it's so interesting because Pinterest was a really big channel for Ensorcled when we first started. We used to post like repost all of our blog posts and our um, email opt-in incentive on there. So my original email opt-in incentive was this like downloadable travel packing list and that pin went like super viral and then it would just drive so much traffic to our website. So I feel if you get like even one image or one pin that just like gets a lot of pickup, it can really become... A pretty significant top of the funnel traffic driver but it's definitely one of i find it now a little bit more difficult to navigate because they've changed a lot of the analytics and now they have paid pins which are you know the platform is really difficult to use so but i definitely think like beautiful images always do super well on there so I mean that's awesome that you've been able to activate that channel because it's basically free traffic. So that's like the best thing out there, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I was actually I was other reading an article or was new a podcast where someone was mentioning that especially when the world is kind of crazy as it is right now, that people seem to be moving towards Pinterest more than Instagram or Twitter mm-hmm. or things, or social platforms like that, because Pinterest is guaranteed to be beautiful images, nice <laughs> recipes, you know, like travel inspiration, and people just have that feel good scroll versus like kind of what they used to have on Instagram, whereas now everything is a little bit more political on the other social channels. So I thought that was a really interesting point that maybe people are kind of moving towards Pinterest when they just need a break and want to see pretty things. <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting
0: because I do know I've heard from a lot of people that, especially this year, and I'm not really sure why in the last year, but a lot of people personally find Instagram very triggering Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. You know, one of them obviously being all the political stuff on there as well, but just I think it's hard for a lot of people right now in the pandemic to see you know, happy people, maybe I'm not sure who are looking like they're living their best life. And you're like, at home in Toronto, locked down in your apartment with your dog, you know, exactly. um, (laughs) Pinterest is interesting, because it's so aspirational. Like, it's almost like a vision board, it seems like so maybe people are just like trying to really tap into that and get out of like other people's business. Because I find that like, Instagram can like really suck you into like other people's lives that like, it doesn't even matter to you, but somehow you're involved with like your cousins, brothers, like you just know all this stuff. It's very bizarre. So I, I definitely think it's good to always, like the lesson there for me is to always keep your eyes open to like new channels. And it sounds like you've gotten really into the data, which is great because that will lead you to what's working and then you can kind of do more of that. So, so awesome. Let's go back to when you started your business. So I always ask founders what do you wish you knew before you started your business?
1: Yeah. So when I started, I was really insecure. I was like, well, I don't want to tell my friends what I'm doing. I don't until we're successful or until I have X amount of followers on Instagram or until I have so many sales instead of being like, okay, why don't you use your friends and family as the first people to get the sales, to bring the word out and everything like that. So you know, I, I've talked to quite a few other people who are in that same spot, like, oh, I'm just too scared, or I don't want to show my face, or I don't want to talk about it. So I wish that I had just had the confidence back then. And I think we would have grown so much quicker at the beginning if I had to just, you know, talked about the business or joined communities, like now I'm part of you know, a lot of women entrepreneur communities online and around Toronto and, you know, just having that support, having people to bounce ideas off of is just so important. And I didn't do that at the beginning and was took way too long to even talk about what I was doing to close people around me.
0: And why do you think that is like, what was holding you back from telling like your friends and family about your business?
1: Probably good old imposter syndrome.
0: Same. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like you felt like it wasn't like good enough to share. Is that kind of the feeling or was it something else?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that I felt like I had no experience running a e-commerce business before. So who was I to to start this? Even though if you look at my background, it's, you know, I had a an undergrad in fine art and marketing and then I worked in, advertising and then you know my sister worked in startups and sales and it all kind of like blends together and really works with what we're doing now but at the time I felt that it wasn't good enough or I wasn't good enough to start this business or I didn't know what I was talking about or you know same with sustainability like it's sustainability is a journey and learning about it's a journey and we're we're not experts but we're trying and we're trying to educate as much as we can but at the beginning I was like well I'm not an expert on sustainability or you know, ethical products. So, who am I to tell them what's ethical or not? But then, once I started actually talking about it, I said mentioned something. I was like, "Oh!" And then, you know, you want to have a non-toxic candle because carcinogens will go in the air if you have something that is from, let's say, Bath and Body Works. And someone's like, "What?" I didn't even know that non-toxic candles were a thing. And I was like, "Oh, I guess I do have information and knowledge to share because you know I am in this space and I do love talking about this and learning about this." So it's been a journey.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. I asked that question because I think it's pretty common amongst entrepreneurs and it manifests itself differently for sure for other people. Like when I first started, I told everybody about my business because I was like, these could be my customers. But I definitely like as I scaled and circled for sure have felt many instances of imposter syndrome and even in my coaching business as well. So I actually, like, I have a coach in this business and she always tells me, her name's Kelly Track, she always talks about how, you know, there's always somebody like, you're always like a few steps ahead of somebody. You don't need to be like the, you know, premier industry expert on sustainability, you know, because like nobody really is, Um, especially if there's like a new area of business, like Facebook ads or something like that. Like nobody's going to be like the guru because everybody's kind of learning it. As they go, but you always just need to be like a few steps ahead of somebody else. And I think you give that great example about the candle because, like, a lot of people don't know. Even well, in ethical fashion, I can speak to people just don't know. Like the general consumer has no idea what goes into making a product. So sometimes mm-hmm. we forget about that because it's so second nature to us. And then we just really need to step into our knowledge and own our you know, own where we are in the journey. Because oftentimes, just like owning that will show others who are kind of a few steps behind that, you know, there, there are new possibilities and stuff like that. But I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that's super vulnerable and it definitely helps other people listening to this podcast feel like, you know, if they're thinking that, like, you know, they're not alone because that is super common. So tell me about what tools and apps you swear by for your Shopify store. So I know you're doing dropshipping. Are there any kind of other essentials other than Slack that you rely on, like on the daily to do business?
1: Uh, Yeah, we use Later for social planning. I love it because I absolutely hate having to think every day about posting something. So we do all of our, you know, Instagram and social planning a month in advance. So I find that super helpful we use Asana to categorize our projects and just kind of keep track of everything. And then I really love Hotjar. I'm not sure if you ever use Hotjar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so we just have the free version, but it's really great to see the recordings of different users coming to your site and you can see like where they're clicking. Um, you know, I made a lot of, you know, very simple optimizations from our homepage, for example, before we had different categories on it. So it was like accessories, jewelry. And then I found that every, I could see that people were clicking on like the title, which wasn't hyperlinked and they weren't clicking on the photo, which was the link. And then of course people just get frustrated and leave. So just seeing things like that, that you think are intuitive, it's a really easy way to, you know, do some free user testing and see what people are looking at or how they're browsing or where they're exiting your site. Yeah. Hotchart is a
0: great tool. I I think a lot of people don't know about it, but their free option is great. We have a tool called Lucky Orange, which is very similar. And admittedly, I don't watch it enough, but you know, oftentimes I hear people posting in like the Shopify entrepreneurs group and they're like, I can't get any conversions on my website. You know, how can I fix it? And then they have like random people go on and give them suggestions, but nothing's better than having like your target customer on there and seeing what they're actually doing. So I think that's super smart that you're utilizing that and then making changes on your website. So tell me a little bit, before we get into the hot seat questions, what's coming up next and what's exciting for Sam and Lance that you're launching in the next six months?
1: Yeah. So one thing I didn't mention was we launched our subscription boxes in August of last year. So they're a quarterly subscription box filled with, of course, ethical items made by women around the world. And it's a great way for people to, you know, take the guesswork out of ethical shopping and just get these delivered quarterly to their door. And right now, during a pandemic when people aren't going out and shopping as much, it's a really great solution. So we're just launching our winter box right now, um, which is really exciting and it's going to be great. And then we're also in the midst of planning out a salmon land scholarship, um. So we philanthropy is really important to us, and we're mapping out a scholarship for uh, women in Canada, and just kind of. Figuring out all the details around that, and we'll be launching that in Q3.
0: Wow, that's so amazing! That sounds great. I I didn't get into the subscription box because I feel like that could be a whole episode <laughs> on its own. But I love that you've created a different channel and a different mechanism by which your customers can interact with the brand. I think that's super super smart. Um, and the scholarship sounds amazing. So definitely keep me posted on that, and I'd be happy to share share on our social channels as well because I think that's amazing. a really important <laughs> initiative. So let's dive into a few hot seat questions. What's one non-negotiable step in your morning routine? Coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely coffee. (laughs) Yes, love coffee. I'm off coffee right now, but I love it and I miss it (laughs) so much. What's one of your favorite business books that you've ever
1: read? So I really enjoyed building a story brand. And I believe I got the recommendation from the podcast that you did about books about like business mm. books. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just right now working on kind of going through the template for our own business and, you know, mapping it out based on the recommendations in that book. So I thought it was like really inspiring. And i um, just kind of like hit all the nails on the head when they're talking about how to talk to um, your community and your customer. So I really, really enjoyed that book.
0: Yeah, it's such a good book. And now they only have two more. They have Marketing Made Simple. And I think Business Made Simple is Donald Miller's like newest book. And they sound like, I mean, they're so basic in what they recommend, but it's actually the simplification I find you need in your business. Cause sometimes we overthink (laughs) messaging, you know what I mean? So I'm glad you love that book. That's awesome. So if you had an extra thousand dollars in your business and you could spend it on anything, whether it's marketing or, you know, working with influencers
1: or product, what would you invest it in? I'd probably say ad spend or courses. I love just learning more. So um, I did do a course on how to improve my paid ads. So maybe it's like a blend of that. And, you know, just continuing to, to educate and to, yeah, that's great tell people about our business.
0: <laughs> awesome. So what is your favorite podcast that you're listening to right now? It could be
1: like for fun or for business. I mean, I have quite a few and Veronica has quite a few too, but um, (laughs) I say for fun, I really like conversations with Kenzie, if you know about Kenzie Brenna, she's really inspiring and really lovely. And then Veronica's favorite podcast, she likes I Love Science Rules by Bill Nye. (laughs) That's her favorite. (laughs)
0: Oh, amazing. I didn't know he had a podcast. That's
1: awesome. Yeah.
0: How old is he? I feel like he's been around since I was a kid. So he must be like 70 or something. Like he just keeps going and he looks the same. It's unbelievable. He does
1: look the same. Yeah. Maybe he knows something that we don't. Maybe he knows. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> like, What's I'm a skincare thinking. routine? I want to know. <laughs> yes. Skincare uh, by Bill Nye. <laughs> exactly. I'm going
0: to send him a DM. And you're on Instagram. So what's your favorite Instagram account that you're following right now?
1: So it's kind of random, but I just started following them and I absolutely love them. Pasta Grannies. (laughs) Have you heard of them? No. So it's like P-A-S-T-A-G-R-A-N-N-I-E-S. And it's just like videos or photos of these little like Nona's making pasta. (laughs) Oh, pasta granny. Oh yeah. That's amazing. Okay. I'm gonna have to look that up.
0: I love that you're into all this like fun stuff too. Cause I, I often get sucked into doing too much business, Instagram following and stuff like that. So it's good to have that mix of just like some content that makes you laugh. So, and smile every day. So it sounds like that would be a good one. And yeah, it's it just love- so
1: wholesome
0: and, and cute and I love it. <laughs> Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Delora. And before we wrap up, I just want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you online. So do you want to share like what's your Instagram and what's your website so that people can check you out and give you a follow and support your brand?
1: Yeah. So Instagram is Sam and Lance with dots in between. So sam.and.lance. But if you just type it in, you'll find us. And then our website is samandlance.com.
0: Okay, great. So we'll put links to those in the show notes. So if everybody wants to check out some of Alora's recommendations, as well as Sam and Lance, you can give them a follow there and check out the show notes. And it sounds like you're up to amazing things this year. So I can't wait to see how that scholarship turns out and check out your winter subscription box. So congrats on all your success thus far. And I can't wait to see where this takes you guys in the next few years. Thanks so much. really appreciate it. <laughs>